Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. Today, we're joined by Julian Clement. Julian is the Senior Program Manager of Credentials at HubSpot. And Julian, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Hey, Andy, what's going on? Yeah, so I, I, um, I run our credentialing program at HubSpot. Really what that entails is all of our certifications, you know, the academy content, essentially, uh, you know, getting it so that we can help learners, uh, help people learn about HubSpot, about things like social media, about email marketing, things like that, and, and really have it in a programmatized way so that they get a credential, a certification when they finish that and can go and use those on resumes uh, to get jobs and all that good stuff. Nice. And something I've always appreciated about HubSpot, and I've interacted with uh, your educational partner program during my time at university. And something that I've always heard is you guys don't necessarily try to bring us into your ecosystem. You just want to educate so that people know what's going on in the marketing world. What would you say to you kind of mirror, mirror that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's a stew, right? I mean, that's like, that's what inbound is all about in the end right? It's bringing people in uh, rather than force feeding people information in, in terms of ads or uh, things like that. So that's been the core concept of HubSpot for since we started. What Academy really does is kind of takes that into the education sphere. How can we get people to learn about these concepts, learn about our tools and then as they see value, then we can ask them for, you know, whether that's, you know, signing up for a subscription or something, but it's really kind of that give take with value and inbound is really all about uh, meeting people where they are giving value and then being able to kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say capitalize, but that's, that's what it is in the end is a business, right? Kind of capitalize that on that and have the, the user, the, uh, customers still have that great experience. Yeah, it's almost you want to provide value to both sides. I, I love it. And um, how long have you been with the credential program? So I've been at HubSpot for six and a half years. I actually started in support, so climbed my way up, I, I guess, if you will. Um, and then I've been really working on, I've been on Academy for four or five years and have really really dug into credentialing over the last year and a half, two years when I took the program over. Uh, and so we've had uh, a lot of great progress and we've seen the number of certifications grow uh, 100%. We're now certifying over 25,000 users a month, uh, which is really cool to see. And, and it, was, it was interesting in, in the time of the pandemic how learners were coming to HubSpot because they realized that they needed a way to upskill or they needed a way to, uh, you know, maybe they lost their job or, or fell on some other hardship, but found that HubSpot Academy saw a lot of growth because we were able to help learners and help learners for free. Yeah, that's actually um, a very good segue. We spoke last time about a concept you called 
bundling or unbundling, if you will. Yep. Would you be able to dive a little bit more into that? Because I did a little bit of research, but it was such a big concept that I feel like you would do a better job at explaining it. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is one of those concepts that I, I heard it from Ben Thompson. Uh, and, and if you're looking for a really good blog to read Stratechery by him, uh, talks a lot about SaaS economics and things like that. Uh, and, and the big idea behind this concept is that there's essentially two ways to make money. You can either bundle things together uh, or you can unbundle them. And, and I think it's helpful to have an example, right? So uh, if you take a look at Spotify, um, essentially what Spotify was able to do was they were able to take uh, the new music in the back catalog from record labels, right? And the record labels kind of held that bundle and they held the distribution because they owned all the content and they owned the back catalog. Um, and what Spotify was, was able to do was essentially say, okay, you know, the record labels own the, the content around it, but Spotify or Apple Music, any, you know, name any of these kind of streaming platforms became the distributor. So they took each piece um, that came with a, an album or a label or things like that, they were able to distill that into little pieces and then disperse that and distribute that to consumers. So, you know, another good example of this uh, that I know you and I talked about, Andy, was kind of the, the Netflix, right, and cable TV. And basically saying, hey, you could watch, you could buy the subscription to cable TV, but maybe you only want to watch two or three channels out of that. And really out of those channels, you just wanted to watch two or three shows. Wouldn't it be great if you could just pick those shows that you want? And that's what Netflix did. And they put that, they unbundled it and then they bundled it into their own subscription service. So kind of back to that idea of, hey, there's, there's a couple way to make monies. And it, it seems silly that it's kind of that simple, but there's a lot of examples of that. Um, you know, whether you look at publications with Facebook, Facebook or, um, you know, Netflix or Spotify or, or anything like that, really, there's kind of a lot of really cool examples about it. What really caught my attention is that unbundling can happen through several factors. And correct me if I'm wrong, I may have misunderstood it. But when Ben Thompson, I watched one of his videos, he was talking about TV to Netflix, how it actually unbundled people's time instead yes. of having to wait one day a week to watch the new Parks and Recreation episode, you can now binge it all. You don't have to wait for it. And yeah. I thought that was so cool that you can unbundle multiple factors. For example, um, in my opinion, what you're doing with HubSpot is you're almost unbundling uh, geography because of education is kind of tied to certain geographies often. Now that's becoming different with Coursera and everything like that. But would you agree with that? Yeah, it's a... I would say it is the, that is kind of the unbundling and, and bundling that is happening with higher education, right? And, and that's, at least HubSpot Academy is having a role in that because what is happening is we realize that the higher education bundle is, consists of a, a bunch of different things. Uh, let's take a university, for example. You have not only the, the courses that people are taking, but then you have access to professors that give their time. Then you have housing, you have sports, you have, um, you know, all these different pieces to higher ed. And what Coursera has done, what HubSpot Academy is helping do is saying, 
you know what, a big piece of that higher education experience is the courses and the kind of help or aid you have along those courses, right? We can't provide housing. We're not going to be able to provide, uh, you know, big sporting events. You can't go to an Alabama football game on HubSpot Academy, right? But at the same time, there is so much value in that unbundling. And it'll be really interesting to see how this shakes out over the next year, two years, as students with the pandemic may not have access to pieces of that bundle. Hence, the price tag you're paying for it is, well, it's, it's one of those things where people are feeling like they're paying for something that they're not getting, right? And that is how, you know, that's how trust is lost, right? So are, are higher ed universities, colleges going to adapt to that quickly enough? And where does, where do companies like HubSpot, companies like Google fit in, right? We talked about Google having their new um, certificate programs that are going to be what they're calling the equivalent of a four-year college degree. So is, do they fit it in with the last mile learners? Do they fit it in as an on-ramp to learning? Like, I think there's so many really cool things at play and, and to kind of tie it all back that comes into this unbundling that we talked about. Now, I think you mentioned a couple of different stakeholder groups. Would you be able to identify a few that you're primarily focused on? Yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting because education has, especially at HubSpot, I'm sure it's like this at a lot of companies, uh, it really has an impact on a lot of different departments and, and especially with credentialing. So for example, we have uh, all these certifications. The certifications, uh, you know, have content creators. So we're working with marketing, right? That's kind of where Academy sits. We're working with customer success because our, our account execs or customer success managers are actually recommending these certifications to their customers. So you have marketing, you have customer success, the sales team, right? They are using these certifications to help qualify prospects, to get leads from these certifications. We generate, uh, you know, 40, 50,000 leads from these certifications and a lot of them are, are good fits to buy. Uh, we're working with teams like our product team because we have this app that we've built um, and that's going to kind of be our platform for certifications. And so we have this product team that is, you know, I work lockstep with uh, on how do, we, how do we bring this to market? How do we make sure that our certifications, our credentials are really something that our users are able to go through easily and able to get value out of? So those are kind of the four big ones, but they, it just touches so many stakeholders because of the, uh, the different value points that certifications can have. Now, would you say that there are secondary stakeholders to that? Absolutely. You, we work a lot with the partner program. Uh, they're, at, they're probably closer to a main stakeholder. I would say out of the, the ones I mentioned, uh, you know, sales is kind of a secondary stakeholder, right? They don't, they're not using it to an extent where it really matters for them to hit quota, right? And we all know that that's really what it comes down to, right? Are you hitting quota? Are you selling good deals? And so I would say sales is kind of a secondary stakeholder here. Uh, another one uh, would be our legal team. You know, they, they have helped us with our terms of service. They've helped us with getting answers taken down from YouTube. You know, people are posting answers and things like that. Um, 
to our certifications exams and, and they've become a, a stakeholder that we work with occasionally, but definitely not one of the ones that we're doing main strategy and, and doing stakeholder updates and things like that with. Wow, that's actually really interesting. I didn't realize that your legal team went and sought after those things. Would you say that the rest of HubSpot is aligned with what you're trying to achieve in your role? You know, it's a little bit of both, right? I, 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 I've essentially been a lobbyist for the last year and a half. Um, but it's a good thing, right? Because it's, it's a, we're a big company now. There's 3,500 people. So it's hard, it's hard to get the sales department and the marketing department and the customer success department to see eye to eye. And so, for, uh, frankly, a lot of my job is trying to understand what this stakeholder needs. Let's say customer success, right? They need to have product activation and they need to have customer dollar attention. Um, and in the end, that's just how successful are those are metrics that they measure how successful are their our customers are. And it's, it can be really tough to get alignment from different departments that have different goals. Now, I think the company does a really good job of setting alignment up at the top, uh, but that doesn't make it easy in terms of trying to figure out why the heck someone should care about credentials when they have a hundred other things that they, that they need to do to hit their bottom line. Right. It's almost like what you're doing is a bit of a long-term plan. And sometimes it's a little hard to see past the right in front of you, what you need to accomplish today. Right. And, and the other thing is that you got to realize that these VPs and these people are thinking two, three years ahead, but they're thinking that for, you know, eight different silos in their department or eight different groups within their department. And why should what I'm talking about be prioritized over the next person? So it's being able to sell it, it's being able to pitch it, it's being able to understand problems, get ahead of them, get ahead of the questions that they might be asking, and then in the end, make it simple enough so that they understand and can say, hey, yes, this makes sense. I understand kind of what you're talking about and why this is going to be a big shift for the business to lean more into credentials. So that's been, that's, that's been a lot of, of what I do and it's a lot of stakeholder management. and. It sucks at times because people are like, nope, nope, nope. Or sometimes you get that glimpse of that like sliver of light where people are like, oh, yes. Okay, now go do this, this, and this and figure out how, how you know, we get to point A from point B. Now, you did mention that the higher up you go, like the harder it is to hear everyone around you and you're certainly in a position where that probably happens to you as well. Do you find that there's certain people that are maybe like more passive than others and they either need more encouragement or you need to just do a better job at hearing their opinions? So, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a, I think it's a, a personality mix, right? Some people are more, um, you know, maybe they're really task oriented, but they're going to be outspoken about it. And so you're getting update emails, you're getting all these different things. And sometimes you're like, holy heck, this is a lot. I don't, I feel like I don't need all this information, but at the same time that can be effective. And, and on the flip side, you have 
you know, people who are, are maybe more passive and you have to dig a little bit more for, for the information, but it's all there because they're really detail oriented or things like that. So there's, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way to do it. And I actually think that as you build, you know, really kind of as a muscle, that stakeholder management is a muscle, it's a relationships thing. And as you start to build that, what you realize is it comes down to how can you cater each different relationship and each different interaction with people in service of the business goals and service of your goals and service of the customers. And it becomes this really, uh, it's almost like this like beautiful dance, if you will, which is, yikes, that's like not the best term for it, I guess. But, you know, we're going to go with that. We're going to keep rolling. <laughs> and, you no, know, I, you, I think that's perfect. I mean, it's good. It's good. <laughs> when you think well, about like big companies, it, it's sort of a flow. Yes. Like it, it's either, that's better. See, I like that better, Andy. But the thing is, when you think about it, a dance is just that. You're getting through this flow with someone else and you just do your thing like i totally get it you don't have to worry about it this is this is why you're the host my man you know you're just you you usher that in you you completed my analogy i appreciate it thank you for the compliment now as a manager there's a question i like to ask all, all of my guests and it's the concept of the separation fallacy and it's the idea that business decisions can't be ethical or otherwise amoral. And then the other way around, ethical decisions can't possibly be business decisions because business is all about making money. <laughs> now, do you agree to that? Or have you had moments in your life where you've experienced that? Yeah, it's, you know, we talked about this a little bit. It's such an interesting one. I, I do believe that not not every single decision has to be made with money in mind in order to continue to make money. And the one area where I think, um, you know, HubSpot has embodied this is with the pandemic, we gave our partners who are our most loyal, some of our best customers, they've been with us since the beginning, we gave them uh, commission that, you know, they'll get commission checks for selling deals. We fast forwarded those and gave them all up front so that these partners wouldn't have the kind of like hardship or, or potential downfall of not getting those commission checks, um, or not being able to sell because of the pandemic or things like that. And I think a decision like that creates a lot of trust. It creates a lot of uh, goodwill. And we've really seen that come to fruition in great sales numbers from that particular program in the, in the following months after that. And maybe it wasn't the uh, best decision because we're giving you a huge chunk of cash when we really probably could have used that for something that was going to make cash more immediately. But that idea was was really out of we we need to keep these people around and, and it's the right thing to do 
there's always a little bit of business that comes into it, right? You know, I don't think we make that decision if we didn't think it was going to help us in the long run. Um, but I think it's a spectrum. And I think that that's, uh, it's not this binary type of dilemma. And I think that there's really a spectrum to it. Yeah, I, th I think you put it very well. In order to grow, I feel like we have to help each other out. You can't just be individually trying to just, just get everything in for yourself. So you have to be able to give again, inbound, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Going back oh, to yeah. the idea. Do you think, with that being said, do you think that most people try to do the right thing and tell the truth most of the time? Or do you think that the consumer is intrinsically selfish? I'm an optimist, Andy. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm saying that I think most people try to do the right thing. Uh, you know, and I, I get flack from my girlfriend because of this, because, you know, whatever the case is, right? I'm always like, oh, yeah, no, that'll work out. That, that you know, that'll be fine. We're going to be good. Um, and so I, I do I do really think that, that people um, on the whole, for the most part, do try to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I think as we get a little bit deeper on this topic, I think that it's probably a nature nurture thing that people could have hours and hours and hours of discussions on. I personally think that like most people are, are good and do try to do the right thing. Yeah. And the reason I really like to ask this question is because it's such a narrative that's been ingrained in our minds from the 20th century business decisions that it's like man just wants for himself and like <laughs> all of this like flash and pizzazz from the giant ad agencies and stuff like that tried to tell us that that is what everyone's like. I disagree. I'm really glad that you do too, because I, I think that that's what's going to make the world better. I do too, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe we're uh, one of the few with that, Andy, but, but I like to, like I said, I'm, I'm glass half full all the way. Um, and, and I do think, I do think that there's a balance to be struck with all of it. Yeah. I think you need optimism, especially the higher you go. Like you need to be able to always look in the bright side. Otherwise you're going to think someone's going to stab you in the back or something like that. Like it's crazy. And I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, like if I'm hanging out with people that are pessimistic or like whiny about that stuff, it wears on you. It's legitimately tiring to think like that all the time. And, and as soon as you're around that type of energy, a lot of times it's like, wow, that was really draining. And you realize it's just because you've been talking about, uh, you know, things that are kind of a downer or more pessimistic. So um, I don't want to take us too off topic here. Cause I think that that, like I said, that's like a, you know, one of those conversations you have with, with, with your buddies or your family that's going deep and you're there at, at midnight talking over a, a drink or something like that. And it, it uh, you get some interesting responses for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think that it is definitely something you talk about within your network, but as a company too, I think that the people have an effect on who you are and yeah. you, you, you are often, sometimes I think about it, it's like, I think about those around me as the stakeholders to me and the stakeholder is someone that can affect me as well, right? If they're not yeah. providing me with something to make myself better, then I, I think that maybe 
it's time to change, help them change, or time for me to change who I'm hanging out with, right? And I think it's the same thing with a company. (laughs) If a partner of yours is doing something you don't agree with, you're most likely not always going to stick with them because you have values, right? Yep. Yep. And I think it's important for companies to have values, right? You know, as we, as we talk about that, I think HubSpot does a really good job of this. We have our culture code. When we, when we hire people, we look for people that are going to be culture ads. We don't want our existing culture as it is today to be copied. We want people that are going to add different uh, diversity to it, different thought, different uh, experiences to the culture. Um, and on the whole, it really comes down to like, we want good people, not only work-wise, but just good human beings. And I think that shows in the decisions we make that shows in, uh, you know, how HubSpot presents itself as a company in the world. Julian, thank you very much. I appreciate being a guest. Is there anything you would like to say before we sign off today? No, uh, um, it's been great chatting, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your night here. Julian, thank you very much again. I will see the rest of you in the next episode.